it has all those excuse me this drink <laughs> oh my god lots of burps and ticks in this one <laughs> From Rosemary's Baby and Reggie McNeil to Jason, Freddie, and Chucky to Samara, Jigsaw, and Pennywise, we can't get enough. If it's blood-curdling, spine-tingling, breath-quickening, or soul-stealing, we are ready to watch it. Welcome to Hilltop Horror Movie Reviews. I'm your host, Ray Richards. With me tonight are my two co-hosts, Anne Conley. Hey, guys. And Helen Stewart. Hola. All right, so for new listeners, this is going to be our format for this episode. First, I'm going to introduce the movie we'll be reviewing tonight. Next, Anne is going to tell you about our recommended drink pairing. Then we're going to run through our expectations going into the watch. Next, we'll play the trailer and review the movie in roughly chronological order. Uh, We're going to forego our kill, chill, and thrill section for tonight due to the mostly underage cast of the movie. And then finally, uh, we're going to wrap up with our ratings. So tonight, we are going to review the 2017 Spanish supernatural horror film, Veronica, directed by Paco Plaza. It was screened in the Contemporary World Cinema section at the 2017 Toronto International Film Festival. It is loosely based on the true events from the 1991 Vieques case where Estefania Gutierrez Lazaro died mysteriously after she used a Ouija board. For tonight's drink pairing, we are drinking a Spanish cocktail. Very appropriate for this evening with our boy Paco Plaza back at it. I was so excited. So we are actually drinking a liqueur, actually called liqueur Cuarenta y Tres, or 43. And the reason why it's called that is because it apparently has 43 unique ingredients in it. It's an old family recipe that's kept under lock and key. And the description reads, the world's most versatile liqueur, explore this miraculous golden sensation. So anyways, you can drink it, you know, straight or on ice. We chose to make a little cocktail and put it on some Pellegrino this evening. So cheers. Oh. Oh. It's kind of cream soda-y. It is. I like that. It definitely is, yeah. While you ladies are trying your drinks, why don't we move into the um, expectations you had for going into the watch? And why don't you give us your expectations since you picked this movie? Yeah, so I chose this movie. This was a movie that has for a long time been on my list, as you guys know. We were looking for good movie ideas months ago and started just Googling, you know, top movies, best movies, worst movies, so on and so forth. And Veronica kind of rose to the top as, quote unquote, one of the scariest movies ever made. Like, people could not finish this movie. They were leaving the theater watching this movie. So, anyways, I was really excited to basically, you know, get to watch this and um, get to review it. So, I was really excited to watch this movie because of the fact that we heard all those stories of people not being able to finish it. So, I was expecting to be extremely horrified. But I have to say, this was not as scary as... It was all told to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how I felt. Uh, although I know enough now when you hear that, like, the scariest movie ever, you're like, ah. But I will say that I was actually pleasantly surprised about what the movie actually was. I kind of felt like it was not going to meet the scariest requirement, and then it wouldn't have anything left to say. But, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. All right, well, with that, why don't we roll the trailer in? Okay, it's trailer time and action. <laughs> Necesito que te tranquilices y me describas lo que estás viendo. ¡Está aquí! 
En las culturas primitivas se creía que lo que ocurría en el cielo era un reflejo de lo que ocurría en la Tierra. Por eso se creía también que durante los eclipses la oscuridad reinaba por encima de la luz. Cerro los ojos. ¿Hay alguien aquí con nosotras? ¿Quieres hablar con alguna de nosotras? ¿Lo has movido tú? No lo sé. Tú también notaste algo. Aquello de lo que no te despides se queda contigo. Aquello de lo que no te despides se queda contigo. No mováis. ¿Estoy yo sola? No. No estás sola. The film opens in 1991 with emergency services responding to a call from a young girl. She sounds panicked and screams about her brother Antonio and something coming to get him before the call cuts off. The film then goes back in time three days. Veronica, a 15-year-old girl living with her mother and three siblings in an apartment in the working-class district of Vallecas, Madrid. Their father died recently and their mother works long hours at a bar to support the family, leaving Veronica in charge of her younger siblings, twins Lucia and Irene, and Antonio. On the day of the solar eclipse, her teacher explains how some ancient cultures used eclipses to stage human sacrifices and summon dark spirits. While the school gathers on the roof to view the eclipse, Veronica, her friend Rosa, and their classmate Diana go into the basement to conduct a seance using a Ouija board. Veronica wants to reach out to her late father, and Diana wants to reach out to her late boyfriend, who died in the motorcycle accident. The board responds right away, but Rosa and Diana pull their hands back when the glass cup becomes too hot to touch. Veronica's hand remains on it, and at the moment of the eclipse, the cup shatters, cutting her finger and dripping blood onto the board. Veronica becomes unresponsive, whispering something repeatedly that Rosa leans in to hear and suddenly lets out a demonic scream. After passing out, she wakes up in the school nurse's office, who tells her she probably passed out from iron deficiency. So with the way this opened, I was wondering if you were absolutely going to hate it, Ray. Because you hate the <laughs> so so, so let, yeah so let me let me give you my my like beginning of this movie because it was not good first of all so Anne and I are watching it together and she's looking at like I don't know, you were looking on your phone about something about the movie and you're like oh like there's something familiar about it and I was like what and then I saw Paco Plaza's name up there no I didn't say familiar I just said there's oh there's a secret oh this is gonna be it and you want to know and he was like no. And then Paco Plaza came yeah, up. Yeah, and I caught it. I was like, Paco Plaza. And she was like, like that's Paco it. Plaza. Yeah. Love me some Paco. And, it's bad. And I was automatically like, oh, God, please don't be found footage. Please don't be found footage. And then it starts with three days earlier. It starts at the end and goes back to the beginning, which is my number two thing I don't like about movies. But I have to say that that was just to kind of get you into the film, like most of it. Of course, it was in the past and didn't really have the beginning, didn't really have anything to do with much. It didn't reveal much, I guess. So, so I was okay with it ultimately. 
Yeah, I thought the hook in this one was pretty weak. I thought it just wasn't well done. I mean, we've seen this hook so many times by now. Either it's, you know, the ending of the movie in a cryptic manner, which is basically what this is. It's the emergency call, you know, back to the beginning. And I love, you know, first Paco Plaza, love him. And we enjoyed REC, but actually I was a little bit like, crap, you know, I wanted this movie to be different. Like the whole idea of reviewing Veronica was that it was this really different movie that had this really, you know, vibral cloud around it, so to speak. And then we saw Paco Plaza. I'm like, I hope this isn't too much like REC. And then it opens up and it's just like REC. And I was really bummed from the get go. Yeah, also, it's like based on a true story, just like REC is based on a true story. Like it has all those same parallels. And one of the things I thought was interesting is I wonder if the detective, the actor who plays the detective in the beginning and the end, I wonder if he's like a known actor in Spain because I was wondering why he seemed like they focused on him and he's not even in it hardly at all. Like at first I got excited. I was like, oh, this is going to be like some like seven mixed with – you know, supernatural stuff. Like I thought it was going to be interesting in that way, like a, kind of a procedural a little bit, but nope, not really. He's like the Spanish Poirot. Yeah, exactly. Right? That would have been cooler. No. Yeah. Yeah. But I will say that once it started getting into it, it had a couple things going for it. One, the family is so great, right? There's, I mean, Helen, I was thinking of you right away as soon as we saw those kids. Oh, Antonito. Oh, oh. his Oh my his God. little curly hair. I loved him. With his little goofy eyes. I would take him home. So sweet. <laughs> he was. So endearing. And then like the twins, which were hilarious. Mm-hmm. I mean, kind of creepy, kind of crazy. Like, I thought they were so well played. The, the one girl that has like the mullet looks exactly <laughs> like the uh, girl from How to Train Your Dragon. The one that sits on the, the two dragon headed dragon, but blonde. Just, just like her. Yeah. Yeah. Funny. I haven't seen that flick, so... I can neither say nor deny. Another must watch. Um, And then the other thing, of course, that I thought was super cool is that this centered around the solar eclipse, which I actually thought was a really cool vibe. And then they go into the history and you've got these creepy, crazy nuns, right? Doing their whole, the history of the solar eclipse on the day of the solar eclipse, the Mayans believed in human sacrifice and blah, blah, blah. You're seeing these kind of graphic historic images, which... I don't know if nuns (laughs) would put that up per se, but you could actually see that, you know, teachers, it's kind of like white noise to them. They're just sort of historical photos and how our our main protagonist sort begins to fixate on these images, I thought was interesting. Yeah, man, I thought the family was especially strong in this movie. As a matter of fact, I think that the relationship that the 15-year-old Veronica has with her siblings and her taking care of them and her having to kind of pull the mom duty as well as the sister duty and going to school and doing, I mean, that was the strongest part of the movie, right? I mean, that really, the horror elements are, are good, right? But they're, they're a little more cliche. I mean, they're pretty tropey, I guess I would say. Um, what makes it unique, I think, is uh, the actress that plays Veronica does a really great job, I think, of carrying the movie and it all really rests on her shoulders. Yeah, I agree with you how this is like, the horror part has kind of been done a little bit, but the family dynamic where you know, do you have Veronica who's taking care of everybody while the mom's working so hard? You would think that she gets like some redeeming factor because it it kind of sucks. Her dad dies. All she wants to do is communicate with him on this Ouija board. She's taking care of her siblings. She doesn't have any like actual time to be a kid. So you feel all the sympathy with her. And then, you know, she just 
doesn't have a good story at the end. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's it's framed by this based on a true story thing. So you have to, she has to die, right? Because the real story, the girl died. But like the family and all that was all made up. Apparently, my understanding of it is that they, the Ouija board that she, the real woman was using, they were trying to call up the late boyfriend. Yeah, a friend's boyfriend. Friend's died. boyfriend. In a motorcycle accident. Yeah, which is which is the same as here, except that they don't call him up. They call the father up mm-hmm. because it makes more sense, like, narratively. Why would you have some random boyfriend be called up and then, you know, why would that attach to this girl? So it, it makes more sense to introduce that. But but because they used this sort of framing, they had to have her die at the end. But I agree. I, I, I was hoping she was going to have some redeeming. Right. And I honestly didn't know this was based on a true story until – I was trying to find the fun facts. And then I was like, oh, crap. Yeah. Oh, I thought it said something at the end about it being. It might have. But at that point in time, I was probably like, movie's done. (laughs) And off. Yes. (laughs) But you guys kind of, we get into the Ouija board portion of this, which was the other thing that I, when we were choosing the movie, um, I heard so much about it, but I didn't hadn't done any additional research, right? All I had heard was how crazy, scary movie this movie was. And then we get into it and Ray is like, oh, isn't it the one with the Ouija board? And I was like. No, that, that can't be it. That, that can't be it. And then getting into it, I was like, "Oh God, it is." <laughs> so immediately you get into this kind of lame trope, right? Of the, like the idea of the Ouija board. Which, but speaking of which, have you guys ever used a Ouija board? Have you ever done that? Yes, I have. Did anybody respond? No. <laughs> did, did you get it like to work at all? So I think that like people just sh- subtly shift it. Like, you oh. get it to work, but I don't really know if I trusted my partner in okay. crime there. I see. So we have a skeptic. What about you, Ray? I mean, I've used it with my cousins back when we were teenagers. And, and yeah, it, move, it moves around. I'm not sure any of us were consciously moving it around on purpose. But you have fingers on there and you have your hands and, and everybody's, you know, you're tense and it, it moves. You know what I mean? It slides. Does it make words? Does it, like, spell out sentences? I don't know. Yes, no stuff. Maybe because you're looking at those two words. But, I mean, we never had, like oh my gosh, there's a presence telling us something that nobody knew. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I've done a lot of Ouija boarding back in my time. And we, I mean, we had some pretty crazy sessions. I'm not going to lie. Really? Yeah. Um, and the way that I heard, and this totally could be wrong and total heresy, so haters don't like blow me up online or anything. But <laughs> from what I understand, it's, it's basically like the subliminal tremors that go through your hands and your fingertips that cause it to shift. And it's basically all these like subliminal, you know, somebody, everybody together, right? It's like the power of suggestion type of thing moves this around. Um, it's not necessarily one person specifically moving it. Also, you would be able to see their fingers push it. And so you would be able to see their fingers flex. Um, but what I will say is we tested it once. My mom cracked me up when we were a kid and we were looking to go to the theaters over the weekend. And I guess we had the Ouija board out and she was like, oh, well, let's just ask the Ouija board if the theater's open. And we did, and the Ouija board was wrong. <laughs> but it made me laugh because it was it was a really valid test. That's because the ghost you were talking to was from the 1800s, and he meant the theater that's closed down that he went to back in the, in the day. Yeah, maybe. So, I don't know. I don't know. But, but to what you were saying about the tropes, this movie, the weakest part to me is a bunch of these tropes thrown all together. I mean, the eclipse thing's cool because it's unique, but you have this eclipse... You have, you know, the, the blind old nun who somehow, I guess, has some powers, but maybe not. You have... Sister Death was badass, though. No, she, Let's was, just be she clear. was, but she's kind of a ran- randomly there, right? You know what I mean? You yes. have the Ouija board. Um, you have 
this sort of like creature thing that's I guess called up, but there's a lot of different stuff working all at once. The dream you know I mean? haunting, yeah, the dream haunting, and like pseudo possession. Yeah, pseudo possession. The bed, the, the and, crucifix falling yes, off the wall. Yeah. yeah, lots of like check, check, yeah. check. And and in the end, I I think there's this movie in my the way I read it. There's a great question as to whether or not there's actually anything supernatural going on, or if she is setting pos- her bed on fire. She's possessed. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, like right. what, what level of supernatural is happening? And yeah. does, is she a, a a reliable enough narrator? Because you think she is throughout the movie until there's one particular part at the very end where you're like, oh, my gosh. She thought she was doing this whole thing, and she's not. And so you're like, does anything that you experience through her eyes, can you trust any of it through the movie? Right. Like, that's kind of where I, where, I, where I was at. So, I mean, obviously, like, the, the pages burn up and stuff, and you're uh, – the, the – um, the wards she puts up, those pieces of paper burn up, so you kind of have to believe there's something going on, unless you believe she's imagining all that stuff. But yeah, I'm gonna wait till we really yeah, I know dig I'm gonna get there. Yeah, 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 was, yeah. We're getting a little head bite. Yeah, no, I thought that was a really cool. You know, between the solar eclipse was cool, and then to your point, sort of the curiously, um, is she a reliable narrator or not? Were some of the most interesting pieces of the whole thing. Everything else was pretty check the boxy. I also have to say, like, having gone to Catholic school, that seeing this atmosphere, albeit in Madrid, right, was very similar to what I experienced. So you had the girls who were kind of, I don't want to say sluttier, because you're just making (laughs) a presumption because there was a party. (laughs) Their skirts are shorter. Mm -hmm. You're only allowed your three inches above the knee there. Um, Oh, that's risque. I thought it was like to the knee. Like when you're on your oh, knees you know, on the ground, I think they, the ground? Yeah, we're a little more modern now. Oh, so I don't mm-hmm. know. This is 1991. So mm-hmm. she was, I guess, a little bit older than me at the time. But like, yeah, you were allowed to have like two or three inches above the knee. But they would do spot checks. So you could kind of <laughs> like just see that kind of atmosphere there. They close and lock the gate. If you're not there on time, we had the doors get locked in high school. So a lot of it kind of brought back some memories for me. Not so great ones, but some of them were fun, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. did, did you have a blind nun who was we smoked in the basement? Yeah, no, basement? we didn't have a we didn't have a sister death. Although in grade school, um, we did have a sister booger. Ooh, yeah, but just because her name rhymed with booger, that's all. Oh, <laughs> poor, poor she wasn't mean nice. Yeah. She was not very oh, okay. nice. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you were breaking a commandment somewhere in there. Probably, <laughs> I probably broke a lot during uh. that time. Right? <laughs> The one thing I was waiting to happen when they went to the solar eclipse and they had to have the negatives, which was also the, like really weird, right? Immediately they say, you get the negatives so you can look at the sun directly through the negative. Is anybody else going like, you are not shielding your eyes looking through a negative? I was shocked because like it, we just had an eclipse like a year or two ago, right? Yeah. And we all made our boxes. Yes. And it had to be like very specific. You yeah. couldn't look at the sun or if you got the Yeah, the, the glasses. glasses yeah, you know, they had to be like really special material. But but I think those glasses are the same thing as what the negatives are supposed to be. Well, that's right? what I was laughing. I was like, oh my god, we totally were bamboozled a couple of years ago. Maybe we had to get all these special glasses, but then they had to be negatives. But then they were also selling fake glasses that they had to like. Everybody was warned. Oh use sure, yeah, them. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. really? I missed that because yeah. I made my box. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We got some glasses. But what I will say, what I was laughing at, what I was waiting for was when the little twins had the negatives up and you could see very clearly that they were exposed negatives, which of course, I mean, if you take them out, they're going to be exposed. And I was waiting for them to see a picture. Yes, In the negatives, right? Of like the mom and the dad or like maybe some weird weird sexual explicit type of, yeah, and it didn't happen. But it was weird. It was like you're just waiting. Right. Like suspenseful for that to happen. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the solar eclipse didn't have much to do with the rest of the movie. I mean, I, I kind of felt like, I felt like that the solar eclipse was the reason that, that, that there was this opening to do this, to commune with the dead, right? right. That's kind of what they were saying. And then I expected, in some ways, I was like, oh, crap, you know, after they opened, you know, whatever gateway they opened to allow this, this these demon or spirits or whatever to attach to this girl, she's like trying to get rid of them. I'm like, well maybe you done lost your chance because the eclipse came and went and mm-hmm, you're right. stuck. You know what I mean? Like I, I, but it never came back to the eclipse. The other thing I, I want to talk about in this, in this section, two things. First, it was interesting how Diana, the other friend is like the hottie of the group. Yeah. She She's like the more attractive one. Skirt. Yeah. So this movie, I think to a large extent is about Veronica's maturing right from a girl to a woman in, in, in a microcosm because there's this very particular uh, when she goes to the nurse, very particular scene where she's asking her if she's ever had her, if she's on her period, right? And she's like, no. And then she's like, have you ever had your period? And it's like this weird, like, I'm like, where is this coming from? And isn't 15 a little late for that? And does, is that like a sort of thing that plays back into her, into her psyche? I didn't notice throughout the rest of the movie any other point that that had. I mean, they they do have, I'm sorry, I take it back. They do have that scene where then suddenly like she gets her period through like, you know, ghost hand or whatever. But I just thought that, again, it was lame. I thought it was really like it didn't have a point. I didn't think that it was metaphorical. I didn't think that this followed her in any interesting meta journey as her development. I mean, I just thought it was like a very token. I mean, if I think in Spanish culture, it's even more of like a thing and very uh, taboo to talk about in Spanish culture, even more than in American culture. So maybe it was just like Paco Plaza trying to be risque. I don't know. What do you think, Helen? I did not like that scene in the nurse's office at all because she's just making these are you diabetic are you iron deficient they like with you of no? ghostbusters <laughs> and let me just pass this magic wand over you and figure out what your ailment is but uh, you, yeah or has anyone in your family been diagnosed <laughs> with? exactly here's a list of ailments and all their symptoms um but like i didn't know if it had something to do with the fact that she cuts her finger on the ouija board and then gets this her period later like i didn't know if there was a blood tie in there that we're just not picking up because we're not Spanish. Oh, I mean, again, maybe. I mean, maybe. Right. We aren't Spanish, unfortunately. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, if somebody Spanish can explain that to us, that would be helpful. <laughs> I felt like Paco Plaza was trying to do something with the idea that she's a 15-year-old girl. She has to play the mother role, right? And she's she has her friend who has this other friend that sort of surplants her and is more attractive like traditionally attractive sexually attractive i guess the delinquent right yeah the delinquent diana the delinquent short skirt short skirt and that's um, why she got held back <laughs> yep and and then you have this thing where obviously she says she's never had a period before i guess uh and then later on in the movie which of course we're jumping a little bit but yeah the the, the demon hand comes down from the top of her covers and goes over top of her crotch and like you know, makes like a fist and then it's all like blood and then she wakes up. And this is where I get into the whole, like, is there really a supernatural entity thing happening? Because it's more to do with her and her sort of adolescence than it is with the, de- like, what what does the demon have to do with any of that? Like, I don't know. It doesn't seem to all jive together. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if I just don't understand it. So you or didn't it just think there was together. a demon? You didn't think there was a demon? No, no, I did. I did think there was. But I I, my, I guess my concern is that I don't know. I feel like Paco Plaza wants to have it both ways. And I don't know that all this stuff really makes sense to me. Yeah. yeah. I, I, can, I can see that. So I was thinking 
watching along with this movie and, and trying to figure it all out. Like, so you kind of have like the three options. Did she just do it all by herself? Is mm-hmm. there, and I thought having read through some paranormal type stuff, like poltergeist activity happens around this time, especially if you're getting your period because she has all this stress from her home life. Because of the iron deficiency? Yeah, the iron deficiency it's gives mag- you paranormal. Mag- it's magnetism. Yeah. You can totally turn crucifixes upside down and everything. <laughs> so what happens? Right. <laughs> um, or if there is actually a demon. So I guess there's like really three options if she's some sort of paranormally allowing for this to happen or if it's actually just straight up demon or nothing. You got to just figure it out yourself, I guess. I don't. I don't even know where I land on the on the spectrum. Veronica begins experiencing paranormal occurrences. She is unable to eat her dinner, as if an invisible hand is preventing her. Claw and bite marks appear on her body, and she hears strange noises. Her friends begin avoiding her, looking for answers. She goes back to the school basement and finds the school's elderly blind nun, whom the students call Sister Death. The nun scolds her for doing something so dangerous and explains that the seance attached dark spirit to her. She needs to protect her siblings. The nun tries to compel the spirit to leave her, but nothing happens. Veronica draws protective Viking symbols for the kids, only for the demon to destroy them. She tries to help Lucia when the spirit chokes her, but Lucia says it was Veronica who was choking her. That night, Veronica dreams that her siblings are eating her. She wakes up to find that she is on her first period. As she scrubs her mattress, she finds burn marks on the underside. Later, she finds on each of the kids' mattresses a large burn mark in the shape of a human body. Veronica goes to Sister Death for advice. The nun tells her how she used to see dark spirits when she was younger and intentionally blinded herself in an unsuccessful attempt to stop the visions. Sister Death tells her that she can force the spirits to leave by doing right what she did wrong. Veronica learns that it is important to say goodbye to the spirit at the end of the seance. After going to a party at Rosa's house, she asks Rosa and Diana to help her hold another seance, but they refuse. Rosa reveals that at the seance, Veronica whispered that she would die in three days. Immediately when I started watching this movie, it made me think of The Ring with the bad mom that we had talked about before. And it's the same sort of family neglectful where, you know, the mom's working mom and basically she gets the short end of the stick. You know, same thing here where the father dies and the mom's forced to to work and be a negligent mother to her children type of thing. Yeah, I did not like the mother in this movie. And if we did do the kill, chill, and thrill section, she would have been my kill because I feel like I, I know she's working hard, single mom, she's doing her thing. But it's a lot to put that on a 15-year-old girl. And it's a lot to not listen to her when she's continuously going, mom, 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 mom. And she's just like, just take take the leftovers and go feed the kids. And it's just like, I get it. But man. At least she was a 15-year-old girl and not like a 7-year-old boy like in the ring. Yeah. I think you gave Naomi Watts a pass because she's hotter. True. No, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah. But I'm Naomi Watts didn't leave her kid alone, really. Like she I mean, had you can't leave a 7-year-old alone. Yeah, That's I mean. against the law. <laughs> now. <laughs> i don't know if in 91 but yeah i don't know i i my heart went to the mom because what do you do yeah you, i mean you're obviously you're position. not in a good yeah she, she's just trying to afford the apartment so her kids have a place that was a huge apartment yeah by the way Can that was we talk crazy about that? wrap around par- yeah apartment? where when you the, could see through through the courtyard when they did that and she's looking across the courtyard i'm like that's not your apartment. Right, what yeah. are you looking at? At first I was like, it's the neighbor or something. And then, and then she runs around and it's the kid's room or whatever. I was like, that is a huge apartment. No wonder your mom has to work day and night to afford this place. If you all moved into like a little trailer or something, you'd be fine. You could all be together. Yeah, I wasn't so much down on the mom for having to work because obviously she has to work. It's, it's more the way she treats Veronica and doesn't listen to her. 
you know, and dismisses her. I would just assume she was just so embedded in her own grief that she couldn't even focus on anything besides just getting the money to pay for whatever it is that they, you know. I mean, listen, the mom had one scene at the restaurant with Veronica. Is that what you're referencing? Well, she had a couple. There was there was when there was a couple times that Veronica tried to reach out to her, and she she just didn't couldn't respond because she was working or didn't respond because she was tired or you know whatever. Yeah, I mean, I felt that it was really shitty that the friends turned their backs yeah. on her. Oh, yeah. That was crazy. Oh, yeah. You just had a seance together. It's only been like less than 24 hours. And, and they they're won't freaked make... out because of, I guess, what she said. I don't yeah. know. But like they won't make eye contact with yeah. you. Like they're avoiding you. But but not in like a we're freaked out, I'm not making eye contact way. A snooty. It was snooty. Yeah. In like a clicky. At, for a second there, I almost thought... They had been brainwashed, like that mm. they had some, the seance had done something to them that they had forgotten, or maybe this was like an alternative universe for a split second, because it was just so weird. It felt so off to me, the way that they were treating her. I think if this had realistically happened, they would have been so freaked out. They wouldn't have been like, haha, laughing and like tossing notes in the class, you know, the next morning, like nothing had happened. Right. And I think some parent would have been told, and then it would all just have escalated from there. Yeah, that's interesting, because they even say that, that they're going to get in trouble. And then when she screams at the same, you know, at the end, when she screams, and then it just goes to the nurse's office, and nobody ever really talks about what happened. They found right. them in the basement, or they didn't find them in the basement. Yeah, she just walked up, or they didn't get in trouble. You know, it's just you like, totally okay. totally got an attention for that one. Well, when, yeah. I mean, but when there's a student injured or, you know, she passes out there, I mean, I understand that the concern goes to them. But yes, for the other two friends, same thing. Nobody got in trouble. That's what I was like, this is so weird. Like the next day at school. I, and, you know, since we've been watching a lot of these and like very Freddy Krueger-esque, mm -hmm. right? Where it was kind of like, is this like you're in school, but you're not in school? Is this a dream sequence? Is this an alternative? Re I mean, it totally wasn't. But I think that just speaks to sort of the bad planning for some of the character interactions so i have a fun fact about the mother the cool. actress anna torrent this movie she plays the mother's name's anna mm -hmm. okay this movie can be read as a false sequel to what apparently is a classic uh, spanish movie called and i'm just going to use the english um, translation raise ravens which is a 1976 spanish drama film I'm directed by Carlos Sara, which is apparently he's like a Spanish renowned director. And so she is, I think, eight years old in that movie, the actress. Okay. And That's she plays cool. Anna in that movie. And, the, and Paco Plaza has said that you could read this as what happens to her after that she has gets married and has these kids and then this happens to her. Um and in the move in in the in Raising Ravens, uh, she's like it's this weird psychodrama about her her father dies, her mother is had died earlier than before the movie started and she thought that she poisoned her father with what she thought was poison. It's baking soda that her mom told her was poison or oh whatever. God. There's this whole thing where she's trying to wants to kill her father. She's her grandmother's like a invalid and she gives her some to kill her because it is this whole thing. I don't know. I was reading on Wikipedia. So anyway, now I thought that, that was that sounds like a good movie. An, yeah, I would like to watch that. An inter like, interesting yeah. fun fact. So also you uh, when you first said it, it didn't sound like raising ravens. It sounded like raise ravens. And I was like, oh that's ironic. <laughs> we got raise ravens here? Mm. Mm, I like Weird. raisins. So yeah, raisins. <laughs> ravens, raisins. Mm. 
Okay, so I didn't like the whole Viking symbol thing. I thought that was a little offbeat. I like the idea that she had these compendiums that she had picked up at the local newsstand, though. I think that was cool that she had to go back and get them a second time. But, you know, she's drawing these crazy Viking symbols. And and I guess we're just so spoiled by the internet these days. I mean, that's the thing. You have to, like, take yourself all the way back to, like, 1991, and it's Spain. Like, I don't know how long it took for, like, the internet and dial-up and all that technology to sort of, like, you know, reach globally. But... I mean, you know, it's, are you okay? Grace no, laughing. You're, you're like, it's Spain. I don't even know if they have electricity in 1991. <laughs> no. But, you know, it's one of those where, like, you appreciate that you have to go to an encyclopedia, like, to get legitimate information. It's difficult to find this stuff because today you'd be like, oh, that's so stupid. Just look up, like, some pagan or Celtic symbol or something more related to this vein than, like, Viking symbols. But, but hey, apparently they worked relatively. So go her. You think they worked? I felt like what they were showing in that scene was that as the ghosts reached them, they burnt and that the ghosts were repelled from that symbol. And then it moved on to the next one. So, yeah, I felt oh, that they worked. I guess I kind of thought when she choked the sister at the end, did yeah, she not have a Viking symbol? No, because she only had the two. Oh. But I thought but I thought they had the, she had the two over the two kids. I thought it burnt both of them up and then choked the one girl. Yeah. yeah I guess I thought it was like a bunk bed that was the one was made for both. Yeah, went up top like one, two, and then came down. But, you know, it was like Veronica who was possessed by the demon anyway. So I'm not sure it would have mattered right. either, either yeah, way. Yeah, that's true. This whole thing leads into the idea that it's not real. Because what what you're seeing is you're seeing this idea that she's using this compendium. The demon she sees looks like the picture she sees of the hand right in the compendium. She gets the Ouija board from that. Like all of it, like it all derives out of her imagination almost from this compendium. That's one way I could read it. Yeah, I think that would be interesting, although I thought she had not opened the books until after the seance. She went through them, I thought, the first set she had, right, with the Ouija board. I don't think they showed her going through the books at all prior to the seance. They get the Ouija board, they toss the books aside, they do their thing, and then later she opens it up, and that's where you see the hand. And you're like, oh, but we've already seen the ghost hand. But to your point, I mean, she could have seen them off camera, or she could have seen them. I mean, we don't really know that she didn't see them. So that's an interesting thought, I think. Yeah, I... I kind of think that it there's things that you can't really explain, like the heating up of the Ouija board apparatus. I'm not really quite the sure. Glass. The glass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the finger thing um, causing the other two girls to let go. I, I Like, how do you explain that? And so I think that that's part of where it the spirit might be derived from her. And that's where I'm going with my poltergeist theory. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, to me, there's no question that there were spirits involved, that there was possession, that there – actually, I thought there was more than one spirit, to tell you the truth. I thought there were various spirits around, you know, between the dad and the southern. It could have been one spirit in, in various manifestations. I like the idea that maybe there wasn't, but I think we're trying to read into something that, you know, make it more complicated to make it more interesting, and I just don't think it was. I think – that's what I didn't like about it. It's I think Paco Plaza was trying to put that in there to try to make it seem more complicated than it potentially was, but it don't I think it I think it complicated it and also made it more confusing and doesn't sometimes fit together, right? Um but I, I agree I would agree. I think ultimately there's something supernatural going on whether or not it's a possession and she's doing it mostly or mm-hmm. she's projecting some sort of some sort of also um um, psychic, you know, ability or supernatural ability from herself, or it's an actual other entity that exists that she's interacting with. But t- to go real quick onto the father, so we get a full frontal from the dad. Spaniards love to do the full frontal. Yeah. So, <laughs> so 
but this also, and maybe this is a, a an American reading off of some, maybe a, a Spanish person seeing this because of the difference in comfort with nudity. Maybe they wouldn't think this, but I was thinking, okay, is that once again, period, adolescence, sexual awakening, is, is are they trying to say something about the father and what he did or didn't do? Because he's appearing to his 15-year-old daughter stark naked, and that's weird to me. Yeah, I mean, I definitely thought that was weird for sure. I mean, again, I like the idea that there could have been more to it. I just, I don't think that there was. I didn't feel like it was that complicated. Obviously, nothing came of the idea that he had maybe sexually abused her. I feel like, look, at the end of the day, if we think about different mediums, this would have been a great comic book. I think you would have had like a few different issues and you could have had like weird things in each issue, like the naked dad, the bloody hand, you know, some of these, the burnt beds. You had sort of like these mini episodes that... Some of them added up and some of them didn't. So some of them you just kind of had to like, you know, shunt and leave aside. So that's why, you know, ultimately I just didn't feel like it didn't come together like a well-fit puzzle. You know, it was kind of like you're saying, right, like things felt like they were sort of thrown in there. And I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just because overall I was expecting so much more and it really was not that complicated. It was not that gruesome. It was not that interesting. It was not that unique. It wasn't horrible, but it was like, the one scene here where I figured people were, quote unquote, leaving the theater was the cannibal, the cannibalization uh, yeah. scene. With the kids. So the, yeah, the twins eating their sister, which again, actually made me think of Gerald's game with like the elastic yeah, skin. Yeah, I think at that point I was immune to it. It's like, all right. Go for it. <laughs> so we're going to eat some arms. Get it's those fine. tendons. Mm. <laughs> Thank God for low def TV, because that's what I have. I didn't get to see much of Full Frontal Daddy. So... I feel like that goes back to your issue with the picture where she goes into her mom's room while the mom's sleeping to go get the negatives for the uh, the eclipse. Why are they kind of kept there? Maybe there is some nudies in there that we don't know about. And she picked one and we were supposed to see something that we just didn't. Because that could have explained all of that. Like why you're yeah. seeing your dad naked. Because she already picked up that photo of her dad to um, take to school for the, the eclipse. Yeah, maybe. That maybe, could have tied some things may, up. Maybe this is like so other level implied and not said. Things not shown, maybe. Like would take this to a whole nother level. But I don't know. I feel a little... I mean, we'll have to do some research offline because I'd be curious. Or maybe to your, to your point earlier, maybe there's Spanish tropes or things that we can't aren't picking up on that people in Spain would cultural references or things, clues that they were picking up on that were not, or ways they tell stories, things that that nudity means that doesn't mean to us. You know what I mean? Right. So that's interesting. And it's not like the family dynamic indicated anything was wrong with the dad prior to his death. You know, and the mom's kind of in her own little world. I wouldn't say she was grief-stricken. She was just working. The kids just seemed to be moving on day to day. There was no, oh, I miss daddy or anything. Yeah, and you don't really even understand why she's trying to contact him. I mean, they don't even go into why she's trying to contact right. him. Um, well, I'm, why would you need that? I mean, she's he's her dead dad. Of course she wants to contact him. But, like, usually it's for some to ask them a question or to, you know what I mean? Yeah. For, for some particular reason to, to contact them. Well, I mean. She wants to talk to him again. She probably wants him to come back and work so that she yeah. doesn't have to be the mom. Yeah. <laughs> like, so they can keep that lush apartment. <laughs> that wraparound. Desperate, she decides to hold the seance with her young siblings. She and Antonito draw the protective symbols on the walls, but he flips to the wrong page and instead draws symbols of invocation. 
When she tells the spirit to say goodbye, it refuses. She calls the police as the spirit snatches Antonito, manages to grab him back, and escapes along with Lucia and Irene. However, when she gets to the exit, she sees in a mirror that she's not actually holding Antonito, but just imagined it. She returns to find her brother hiding in a closet and calling her name. She finds him and notices he won't go with her. Veronica looks at herself in the mirror and sees the demon, realizing that she has been possessed by the demon the entire time and had been harming her siblings under its control. She attempts to end the possession by slitting her own throat, but is prevented by the demon. The police enter to find her being attacked by an invisible force and passing out. The medics carry her and Antonito out while a shaken detective observes the scene. As the detective watches, a framed photograph of Veronica suddenly catches fire. He is informed that she has died. Five years later, in 1996, he reports the unexplained paranormal activity having occurred in Madrid. It is explained that the movie is based on the true events of the first police report in Spain where an officer certifies having witnessed paranormal activity. So I guess that's the reason the the detective's important. (laughs) Because in real life, he's the first detective to say, hey, I saw some supernatural stuff and I put it in an official report and signed my name. Yeah, and they said that in the movie at some place. But I still just think that's so weak. I would agree. It was just lame. Again, and when you try to do those bookends, like, it's got to be well done, right? It's got to be, like, really statement, really cryptic. It's sort of got to be the key that unlocks this whole thing. And I'm sorry, but obviously the police phone call was not the key that unlocked anything. You just see this scene play out again. You're like, oh, okay. Like, yep, we know the kids go out and Veronica's still in there. I mean, you have that moment where you're like, oh, we only saw the twins. So you know that Antonito is back in there. So you have that moment where you can like put those pieces together and that's interesting, but it's not no, lame. So are we to believe that she's doing the seance with her siblings and they're trying to end the seance in a correct way to banish the spirit or whatever back? Are we to believe that Antonito, because he wrote the invocation symbols on the house, that that allowed the demons not to have to leave? Because there was no, like, amping up of the number of things. It wasn't like he opened a portal to another dimension and all of a sudden these things started coming through and it was, like, worse. I mean, it was worse in the sense that she was trying to banish them so they were, like, or it or whatever, and they were like, no, we're not going. Right. But Or it was just another thing. It's just, like, dots out there that are just you know, throwing darts at a dartboard and this is out there. Yep. Comic book cliffhanger. That's what I'm going to now call it. Yeah, I could just assume the invocation just meant, like, you're keeping that portal open, that you can't close it. Yeah, I mean, that's the most logical thing I can think of. And I didn't actually think of it until I was reading this right here. Yeah. No, I mean, I like the idea. You see him flip to the invocation and you're like, oh, and then he starts throwing. You're like, oh, this is going to get really good. Nope. Spoiler alert. Nothing happens because of it. I mean, nothing more happens because of it. Yeah. I was expecting some Ghostbusters dog demons to come walking through the invocation wall wherever it was drawn. I was thinking for sure we were going to get like our first really like – I don't know, sci-fi-ish paranormal special effect coming like out of the wall, to your mm-hmm. point. Something like that. I was like, oh, this is going to get really... Nope. Well, in, in the demons that you see, uh, the black demons, like they the are shadows. sort of alien looking. I mean, their hands sort of have an alien look to them. You know what I mean? They don't necessarily look like just people or, or like tar looking people or whatever. Yeah, they, I think they have like an alien look to them. I thought they did anyway. Yeah, someone, I read a review where they said they likened it to the American Horror Story first, ep- like, season, where it was the guy in the black Oh, black oh yeah, the, the, yeah, the rubber man or whatever yeah, rubber it's called. Man. Yeah, I don't know about that. They were just, yeah. like, shadows. I thought yeah, it was, like, Pe- I didn't... Peter Pan, if anything. Right. Yeah. Peter I thought... Pan. Yeah. Creepy Peter Pan. It's coming <laughs> to get you. 
run, Wendy, run. <laughs> Which is kind of funny because she does kind of have like a Wendy thing going on with her and her siblings. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. Very true. And there's a yeah. whole adolescent thing with her wanting oh. to remain a kid and all that. Yeah, maybe that, it's a Peter Pan parallel. Maybe we it is. A cracked weird, it. Maybe it is, yeah. <laughs> We've solved the case. <laughs> Insert eye roll here now. Yeah. <laughs> but... But then, yeah, so this is the, the part that really threw me is when she grabs the boy and they all run downstairs to leave and she looks in the mirror and he's not in her arms. And then she looks and she doesn't have him. And I'm like, wait a minute. What just happened? Yeah. I'm coming that back was really to confusing. him. I'm coming back to Helen's poltergeist comment earlier. That was very poltergeisty yeah. to me. I was like, oh, now he's gone. And again, there was no explanation. We've never had anything metaphysically super like that happen before. But. Then shit hits the fan. Then totally. Then he's going through rooms and he's trapped in the bathroom and she can't get... Then she's in there and, oh, yeah, metaphysical stuff starts, like, falling all over the place. Well, yeah, this is where I think she becomes the unreliable narrator, right? Because then later on, quickly later on, is when she realizes that she's been doing some of this stuff, right? So then she starts seeing the past and what she was doing as her doing it, not the the, the, or the demons doing it. So... In a way, the possession made her think she was holding the kid, which I can buy that idea if she's if it's in control of her to some extent. But once again, it's very shaky as to exactly what what right. happened. Because when they said she looked in the mirror and saw the demon, like I I, I saw her, I didn't see like I the black demon, demon. Yeah. but it, but she looked like she was being mean. She looked I get mad. that. Yeah, she looked bad. But I feel like you know, again, I think that we're probably trying to read into this too much. I think she had Antonito. The siblings were there. They saw him. Right, she came down, and then he was suddenly gone. She was like, "Just go, just go." Now they were protesting a lot. They didn't want her to go, but I mean, you know, the idea is like, it's a scary movie. Shit happens. Paranormal activities involved. Like, you don't need to explain it. You know, I think that she was just again under. The, she had him was under the impression like Ghostbusters baby. You know, it's like stuff happens. <laughs> He's gone. He's back upstairs. Yeah, I guess. For, I mean, forget about it. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I think that good movies are internally consistent. They have some rules that that you can kind of follow. This one just seemed like it wanted to have all kind of all kind of stuff. Yeah, happen. I mean, that's the so. theme of this movie. <laughs> I was a little excited about the picture burning. I was like, oh, like it's good, like it continues, or it's going to live on in her, or something like interesting. But no, she just died apparently. So I think. And I don't know if Ray has any more to the real story, but I actually got the real story that those were the ties that led back to it. So if you knew the real story, and I can explain that briefly. Oh. Um, so we know that there was the police report that says that there was unexplained phenomena. Well, that's the only police report. I don't know if it's in the entire Spain or just Madrid that is considered unexplained. Everything else has an explained um, ending to it. So the teenage girl died suddenly in August of 1991. Her parents were convinced it had to do with her interest with the Ouija board with the boyfriend who got in the motorcycle accident. That they're Not her boyfriend, but a friend's boyfriend. So they, the seance that they had was interrupted by the teacher, which indicates why they didn't say goodbye. But I don't think it had anything to do with like an actual eclipse scenario. That was just something I think that made this movie particularly thrilling to us because there was that kind of Mayan theme to it. Um, everyone involved with the seance said that they saw like this weird smoke going into her nose and mouth. And then she started having seizures and hallucinations like day, days after the event. So it was like a pretty quick thing. All the doctors couldn't diagnose it. They were very confused. She kept getting worse. Um, so she ends up passing away. So then the house of the parents ended up getting haunted after Estefania is dead. 
Um, one of the, the there was a slamming of the door, shadowy figures, and the photo of the girl burst into flames. So there was a police officer who was called in 1992. So it was like over a year after her death. The mother had felt hands grabbing her. So I guess that goes with the parallel to the daughter having those hands at that one point. The father told the police that sometimes their son would get thrown from bed to bed. So the apartment in real life, I got the impression, was just like a one roomer with two beds. So not this elaborate thing that we see in this movie, which makes the movie more interesting. But unfortunately for these people, they only had two beds. So he gets thrown from bed to bed. So the police officer is like, hey, I'm just going to sit in this room and see what happens. And he heard all these screams, the crucifix which had another smaller crucifix attached to it, gets turned upside down. That crucifix gets thrown onto the floor, the smaller one. And um, then this poster and a door had three to four scratches into it. So either that's the unexplained... Sorry. <laughs> that's the unexplained phenomenon that, that they couldn't conclude in the police report. That's crazy. Isn't it crazy? So it's like not even something subtle. That's a crazy report to have to... Yeah. It gets back to like the whole gas leak theory where like everybody is just having hallucinations if it's anything right. due to something, you know, like biological in the area or chemical in the area or something. Uh, that is crazy. Also, yeah. they had a crucifix on a crucifix. That's equally crazy. Um, yeah. It, they described it as a big crucifix, which is just a smaller one hanging off of it. So I don't know if the smaller one, I think they described it as maybe a communion one. So it might have been a Stefania's. Oh, man. Nuts, yeah, and then the parents move out, and then there's no other story that I I I couldn't find anything else after that. So I don't know. Like you would think it would follow them if it's yeah, or maybe from I mean, her. I'm like I feel like we never know how those things work. Like are they geographically based that they're stuck right. in a location, or do they follow people? I would follow people if I was usually. Yeah. <laughs> I think my understanding of it is like poltergeists usually follow people, but like haunting of a location is a location haunting, right? Like I've I've heard that is the the sort of difference. I guess I feel like in this situation, you it was caused by Estefania that it would probably follow her relatives. Like nobody else has reported anything in that well, location she, as far as I could see. Well, then she got the sisters involved in the seance, so you know they're screwed. Yeah. And they're twins, so I mean, double trouble. Yeah, they're totally hosed. <laughs> doubly. Yeah, that was such a bad idea. I was like, no. I, and also I was like... Let's be clear. Fact check. Nowhere in your reading did it say you had to do it with the same people. Right. It didn't say you had to do three, although three's a mystical number. So like the whole thing, you're True. like, okay. I didn't think about that. And then twins make it sort of like extra mystical. Uh, but like them singing the jingle from the oh, TV yeah. commercial, that was probably one of the creepiest portions of yeah. the whole thing because you're like, oh my God, just... And all that stuff happening as they're doing it was just... Yeah. That was creepy. That was well done. This movie did have some good suspense in it for sure. I mean, you know, I'm sitting here like slamming it pretty hard, but it was a pretty scary movie. It definitely had some scary scenes, some scary suspenseful moments. I think for people who aren't avid horror movie watchers... They may have also like look at this as like the current exorcist. I don't yeah. know if it would be as impactful, but I feel like it's could be if since we see all these people leaving the theater and having all these stories about how they were so scared, this could be their exorcist movie. Well, and I did wonder how like Blair witchy fake news that all that stuff was, or if like in Spain people just aren't used to like really graphic horror movies. I think they thought they were going to see Veronica Mars, the movie, <laughs> and they went in and they saw this and they freaked out and ran out. That, I, that's, yeah. uh, that's my explanation. That could be it, because when I looked up fun facts for this, I got a lot of fun facts on Veronica, Veronica Mars, but it doesn't really <laughs> help me in this situation. Oh, no. 
All right, well, since we're done reviewing the movie, I think it's time to rate it. Only the best movies make it to the top of the hill, and to be the best, they have to perform in three categories. The first is technical composition, which represents how well the movie's made, including the script, directing, cinematography, acting, and effects. The second is impact, which represents how well the movie accomplished its emotional intent. Was it scary or funny? Did it make you question mankind or the nature of your reality? And third is enjoyment, which is pretty simple. How much did you enjoy watching the movie? Would you watch it again? Would you never watch it again? So our rating scale goes from a 1 to a 10, with 1 being the worst and 10 being the best. Helen, do you want to give us your rating? Sure. Um, For technical, I gave it an 8. Despite the fact that there's a lot of plot holes, I thought the creepy factor was enough and the acting was phenomenal. I, I just can't give enough credit to those young kids that all did such a great job. For impact, I gave it a 6 because... I think it delivered its intent for the scary parts, but it didn't scare me enough as what I was expecting with all the hoopla that we heard from the media. And enjoyment, I gave it a five. Like, I wouldn't be opposed to watching it again, but I don't think I'd get anything out of it. So I could also not watch it again. (laughs) Okay. Anne. All right, Helen, you were nicer to this movie than I was. You were much kinder. Um, For technical, I did give it a six. So I kept it, you know, sort of up there. I mean, I didn't give it the eight, but... I kept it above average because they did have special effects. Again, they were practical effects. And then they did have some CGI with the shadow hands um, or haunted Peter Pan. But again, what they attempted to do through special effects was executed very well. We didn't have bad special effects. So I thought that was good. But just too many random things thrown in there, like we said. And the plot was just not... Uh, except for the solar eclipse and the badass nun wasn't interesting enough to compel me. <laughs> um, the impact, I brought the impact all the way down to a four. I thought this was barely scary. It had maybe one jump in the whole movie. It had some suspense. I wouldn't even put this as like an average scare. I'd put this less than an average scare. And then for enjoyment, I gave it a six, which um, I definitely wouldn't be opposed to watching this again, but it's not something I would readily put on. Okay, so my scores are wildly sort of variant here across the three scales um i think for the first time really so for technical composition i'm giving this movie a four the acting was very strong the actress that played veronica was very good but the movie as far as like it doesn't really fit together as far as what supernatural is going on versus not there's a whole lot of tropes thrown in there and it just doesn't really actually deliver on any any consistent basis for the plot for impact, I'm going to give it a six. That's not really based on it being scary, although there were some scary parts and there were some suspenseful parts. It's more based on the emotional journey that Veronica goes on, being this girl who's 15, who's taking care of her siblings, and she's doing a good job doing it, and and she's, as far as puberty's concerned, sort of behind the pack and and all this and her mom's working her dad just died i mean all that was very compelling to me and so um from impact it was sort of more of an emotional impact i guess than it was a than it was a um a scary impact and as far as enjoyment i'm going to give this a nine i really enjoyed this movie like i said more from the standpoint of uh, the 15 year old protagonist and her sort of family life than I did from the scariness, but the um, the horror did sort of reinforce some of those uh, sort of the family and their and their relationships. So um, yeah, nine. So four, six, and nine, which is kind of a crazy kind of crazy way to score it, I guess. All right. Well, Anne's calculating the uh, scores here, and once you're done, Anne, you can regale us with the rating. 
All right. So, Ray, I thought you were going to beat this movie up way worse than I did, but your nine really saved it at the end there. So I wound up giving this movie the lowest rating at a 5.33, and the two of you tied it at a 6.33, giving this movie a straight six. Interesting. So that puts it in the 13 spot. It is tied with Halloween 78 and REC, another Paco Plaza movie. That's crazy. Yeah. I can't believe it actually tied with REC. Yeah, I think that it's crazy, that even with Halloween, just because I think that REC and Halloween are both to me, scarier than what this was, which is shocking considering all the reviews that I got. Yeah, yeah. And I thought um, Veronica, to me, was definitely not as good a movie as either of those. Definitely not as good as REC. Um, just Paco Plaza on Paco Plaza. Right. Uh, I would have rated <laughs> REC above. I think the nine really lifted it up considerably, Ray. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, mean I, th- I think that Veronica is a better... Hmm, a movie a more a deeper movie than rec but as far as horror movies go i would agree with you i don't think it's near as scary as rec yeah so 13 out of the 30 movies that we've reviewed we're up to 30 movies fantastic yeah, Woohoo! Cool. Woo. 30 movies milestone <laughs> <laughs> getting on the 31 <laughs> all right are we finished yeah, yeah. i think so okay all right. see you veronica All right, excellent. So if you enjoy this podcast, help us grow our audience, rate and review us on iTunes, and please share with your friends and family on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media platforms. Give us a shout out to tell us how we're doing or suggest movies to review. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also email us at hosts.hth at gmail.com. I want to thank you for joining us for this episode of Hilltop Horror Movie Reviews. I'm your host, Ray Richards, and on behalf of my co-hosts, thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time. 